0: Everybody, welcome to our NCAA Doomsday Series. This is episode one of most likely four or five that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. We're going to be doing one per week because it is a lot of work and a lot of planning to put these episodes together. We're finally getting it done. We are finally in the lab and we're going to be talking about everything and anything that contributes to the demise of the NCAA essentially. And you guys will hear in today's episode some background and some historic happenings that have contributed to what is now name image and likeness and what is now becoming part of NCAA rules that we never thought would be a part of the NCAA before now. So that's just a sneak peek to this episode. There will be one episode per week for the next couple weeks until football season starts. And that's how it's going to go. I hope you guys are ready for a jam packed full series of episodes because that's what we're coming at you with. Let's go ahead and get right into the first episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First On Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Bozar, he's Matt Bozar. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, which means that we haven't posted an episode in a week and one day, so eight days. I know I promised a Saturday episode this past week, but we didn't get to it. We are now starting our NCAA Doomsday Series, so we're going to have probably, I don't even know how many episodes of this we're going to have, but it's probably going to be more of like a weekly thing because this is taking a lot of time to plan out. Matt and I are staring at a huge google doc well it's not huge yet but it'll be it'll become to be very big and yeah we're going to we're going to get this out to you guys because we really want to do this and we're really interested in it but also it's good to start talking about it because not a lot of people are talking about it yet so we kind of want to get a jump start on coming up with problems and diagnoses and and things that relate to this whole NCAA debacle that's that's forming right now. But again, not everything has happened yet and there's still a lot to come. And so hopefully we can be the ones to provide some maybe predictions or, or insight into what might come into the fu- in the future. Um, and I mean, nobody else is doing that right now that I know of. So we, yeah, this is this is definitely something that we want to do. And this is definitely what, what we want to be. Or this is definitely something that we want to be our thing. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to be fun and I hope you guys enjoy it. But Matt's on the other end right now. How are you, Matt? I am good. And yeah, Hayden's right.
1: This has been uh, a concept. Honestly, I came up with this. I want to say all the way back in like December. So this has been more than half a year in the yeah. making because, and and I'll kind of just explain the, the, the genesis of it a little bit was you, um, Back like I guess right November December sometimes around sometime around like college basketball had kind of just started. You had the bowl games going on, and and we were kind of getting into the first recruiting cycle of this new NIL rule, right, where players could could profit can profit off of their name image and like this, and so that took effect, or or that that rule was you know kind of came into play about this time last year it was kind of enacted but the difference was all the colleges whether you know it be for football or basketball or really any sport they had already done all their recruiting, right? Because you think about like, you know, the football season starts in August. Well, it really is a year round sport, but you know, the spring games and stuff like those are in, you know, March and April. So that's already, that's already happened. Uh, Basketball that starts in October, you know? So, so the recruiting is already done for that. So when you have this huge, you know, name, image, and likeness thing that's, that's, you know, kind of coming into a sport uh, at the, at the, all at the same time, you can't really take advantage of that if you're one of these schools because you've already done all your recruiting for especially the most revenue generating sports which are football and basketball for the upcoming seasons and so around the winter time is when we started to hear okay these are what you know this is how the name image and likeness thing is going to kind of change the face of the sport because we started to hear the types of deals that 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 prospective high school students who were going to commit to these universities, the types of deals that they were signing, whether it be with businesses or, you know, kind of behind the table, just money that they were going to get that were kind of now came into play because this is the first recruiting cycle that you have this as a rule when it comes to college sports. All right. So that's kind of when I started to realize like, hold on, the NCAA cannot, there is, there is no possible way that the NCAA can handle all of these business transactions and, and and these players that are getting paid honestly you know some of these college football players are making more than NFL football players are you know this for this coming upcoming year there is no governing the NCAA is a governing governing body but a governing body cannot regulate the type of things that we are going to see with name image and likeness as it stands in college football and and there's a huge backstory to this and that's kind of what we're going to get into first here. But that's just the, the, the general idea, right, where where I, I kind of just thought about it, and I was like, there's there's absolutely no way that the NCAA is going to be able to, to do any of this. And, and then we saw kind of as the conferences came out, more recruiting news kind of came out, and you kind of have, you know, this – this, you know, kind of rumbling of like, OK, it, we, we think that the NCAA is probably not going to be able to handle this. And then Mark Emmert, who's the president of the NCAA, announced, I think, a couple months ago um, that he's going to be stepping down next year. So in a year from now, um, he's going to essentially just relieve himself of his own duties as president of the NCAA. And and, and that was kind of the, you know, the, the set the set the alarm bells off for everyone that like college sports is about to change forever. And the NCAA, who has been alive forever and, you know, been you know, the, the all saying true God for, for as long as it has existed um, realistically just won't uh in the future. So, so that's kind of what this whole series is about. That's what we're getting into. And there's a lot, I mean, again, there's literally hours worth of content to just discussions, to have facts, stories, stories, uh, you know, potentials, predictions, all of this stuff. And that's the best what we're going to do here. And so over the course of about the next month or so, we're trying to do it about, you know, maybe four, uh, you know, four or five episodes, and, and, and kind of have them, you know, almost an hour each, uh, kind of depicting, here's where we started, with, you know, all the way back. And, you know, we're going to go way back into the history books uh, with this one. And then kind of, you know, what happened to get us here? What happened to get us here? What happened to get all the way up until kind of where we're at right now, as well as then what we think will kind of happen uh, in the future. So that's a little bit of an overview. I know Hayden kind of did, did that too, but but just kind of, you know, more behind the scenes about where this came from, what we're going to do, and then our plan for it going forward.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it honestly reminds me a lot of a school project where you kind of it's, it's a process of there's a process that happens over time where you are doing research and you're gathering all your thoughts about the one big topic that you're researching or that you're talking about. And you've got to organize everything in, in ways that make sense and stuff like that. It, it really does remind it kind of like takes me back almost to doing those little stupid research projects in high school and middle school and everything like that, because it, it I mean, honestly, like we're typing everything out on a Google Doc right now typing down our our thoughts and we're organizing everything for each episode. And obviously we only have today's episode done because we're after this episode, we're going to work on next week's. So with that being said, do expect us to kind of post weekly with this thing, because again, there's no sports going on right now. I mean, Wimbledon just ended and you know, we we've got the, the open this week, the open championship this coming weekend. And so we might talk a little bit about that next week at the beginning of the episode, but it's, it's mainly going to be NCAA doomsday, doomsday series from here until pretty much until football season starts. And that's when season three of first on rundown is going to start as well. Because if you guys don't know, or if you're new here and you didn't know before we start a new season, every football season, just because it's, it's kind of fitting. I like to do that. So yeah, we are, this is our 61st episode of season two. So we are a, very good way into season two and actually coming, it's coming to a close soon here. So yeah, we're going to end it off with this kind of our first bunch of episodes for our NCAA doomsday series. And again, this is going to span for a very long time. This is going to be probably our longest segment that we have. You know, we have our you're wrong man segments and we have, we have sports, individual sports segments and we have holiday segments and everything like that. But this is probably going to be our longest span segment that we have because this is not going to be it. These four or five episodes are not going to be it. We can promise you that. So with that being said, let us let us head into our NCAA doomsday series introduction episode. So here is the state of the game. Like Matt said, we are going to give kind of some background on you know go way back in the in the in the history books of college athletics and talk about a couple instances Which kind of got the ball rolling on the kind of lost idea that collegiate athletes could be compensated not only for the use of their name, image and likeness, but also for the great deal of money, which both the schools and the NCAA were making off of their performances in those sports. Right. So there are three specific instances that we are going to go over today and Matt's going to do the first one. I'm going to do the second one. And then Matt's going to do the third one. And then we're going to have a problem that we address. And then we're going to have a little bit of a diagnosis at the end. Not really. I mean, it's it's kind of a small diagnosis and it's kind of open-ended. I don't know that, that there will be any kind of sure solution to the problem that we bring up. But that's how it's going to roll for this episode. So, Matt, go ahead with the first instance of where we saw things kind of brewing in the whole pot of collegiate athletes getting paid and such.
1: Yeah. And it was actually at SMU. A lot of you probably won't even know what that college is unless you follow college sports uh, pretty heavily. That's Southern Methodist University. It's located in Texas. I don't know exactly where it is in Texas, but uh, the SMU Mustangs. So obviously we all know Texas is a huge a huge, you know, hub for, for football, high school football, college football, professional football, everything about Texas is, is football. And so when you are in a situation like that, what is your, you know, what's your main uh, goal? It's to win, it's to win football, right? Um, And so realistically, you're going to go to any, any means necessary in order to win, uh, you know, again, whether that's at the high school level or the college level, whatever it may be, and so SMU, this you know rather small school uh, in Texas, looked at the University of Texas, right, with the, the Longhorns. They you know you have your Texas A and M, uh, you have Texas Tech, you have Baylor, you have TCU, all these really big uh, schools, really big football programs in Texas. SMU looked at them and they were like, we we can do this, right? We can beat them. And they had a great idea, which back then was essentially just a, a non, you know, and never before seen or heard of phenomenon which is let's just pay our players a bunch of money or pay recruits a bunch of money in order to come to our university uh and and, you know pay them throughout their time here uh and and that way we'll get the best recruits and we'll be able to to win now this whole paying the players aspect or or, you know action it was not under the ncaa's watch it was also not necessarily through the school right because again the, the school's pay uh you know for 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 a uh, a collegiate athlete to have a scholarship right so they'll pay their tuition whatever it may be but but smu was like all right we're gonna pay their tuition but we're gonna pay them a lot more too because you think about it too in texas that's where a lot of the oil money is you got a lot of rich guys who have nothing to do with all their oil money except for root for their football teams because as i said before texas is like the hub of, of all things football so if you're in texas and you're you know one of these you got these big oil rigs, and you got a lot of money, and all you care about is football. Well, you're going to basically, you know, help out your university uh, in order to, you know, win those football games and 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 get the best players. And so a lot of these guys basically just went under the table and paid recruits in order to come to SMU uh, and play football. And the most notable is Eric Dickerson, who actually holds the record, the NFL record, which I don't think really for the way that we're going in the NFL, I don't think it'll ever be broken. Um, Eric Dickerson has the most rushing yards in an NFL season of all time. And like I said, I don't think that'll ever be broke. This guy is insane. Right. And so he was like a very, very heavily recruited uh, high school recruit, you know, offers from Alabama USC all these you know the the biggest names and again this is the late 80s guys this is like 1987 right still all the biggest names in college football were after Eric Dickerson but right if you're getting paid I mean he got I think he got paid what like I, I, it was like, it was some, it was some crazy. It was like $10,000 for, you know, for over the course of four years to play football at SMU. Um, and, and he got like, you know, cars and deals. And, and and we see all of this happening now in just in real, in regular life. And we're like, well, that's not that crazy. But again, this is like, this is over 40 year, well, almost 40 years ago, 35 years ago. Right. So the, the, the laws back then and just everything that, that football was, it really didn't even matter that much. That was, that was, I think the argument back then was like, why would we pay players, uh, you know, to, to come to our university? Like, it's just a game. It's just football. Well, you know, obviously here we are 35 years later being like, that's the only option that we've, that we've come to, but SMU was really, really going against everything that the NCAA, you know, had, had, had stood for and, and football and just everything like that. They broke a lot of rules essentially. Right. So eventually the NCAA found out about this that SMU was paying for, you know, all these players and, and, you know, and paying them money under the table and through boosters and, you know, and people who weren't affiliated with the university so that they could kind of write it off as, Hey, we're not paying. The university is not paying them, but we have other people who were doing it, who it's kind of like quote unquote legal because they're essentially just giving them money, but they're associated with you. The, there's a lot, right. There's a lot going on there. So the NCA uh, really came in and, and completely, you know, put the gabbashi on everything that was going on with SMU and, and you know, like, Bans for like 10 years like they couldn't even they couldn't even like have a football team they actually kind of just became relevant now again like in the last like you know five or six years and so realistically you see like the 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 amount of punishment that they went through that the NCAA kind of put on them lasted almost 30 years whether you know whether that be they couldn't recruit in you know the, this area of the country they couldn't uh, recruit for this you know the specific sport uh, whatever it may be and so this was however this was kind of the first Instance of a name, image, and like, well, I I don't even want to call it name, image, and like, because that's not what it was. It was, we're just going to pay the players extra money to come to our school so that we can get the best recruits and that we can win as much as possible. But this is the first instance of a school directly or indirectly paying high school athletes to come play for their university. Um, and again, it was football because football is, you know, the the, the biggest sport uh, collegiately. So, so that, like I said, that's the first time that we see something like this happen. And, and obviously, as I mentioned, the reaction from the NCAA and, and kind of everyone in college football at the time was like, you know, this is, this is, these are the bad guys, right? This is, this is a, this is a horrible thing. Thing. How could you possibly, you know, ruin the uh, the authenticity of of the sport and and you know the integrity of the game is is completely nullified because SMU has decided to to, to pay their players and so really like once that happened and again this is like right late eighties that that once because their punishments was so big and because the public thought of this you know this huge landscape of you know college paying college players and whatnot. The public image was horrible as well. It was so frowned upon to the point where like, right, SMU kind of as a as a college, you know, collegiately and, and athletically, like they didn't really have much left because they kind of got stripped, everything stripped away from them. And everybody agreed that that, sh- that should have been what happened. Okay. And, and, and so again, that is in the late eighties, and so a lot, a lot has changed since then. And we're going to get into all of this later. But I'm kind of just, you know, we're going to start off with some examples and kind of a, a storyline on like some to- some instances in which either uh, you know college players were were being paid or, or whatever it may be. Um, and so this was kind of the first time we saw this happen. Like I said, it was it was extremely frowned upon. Nobody nobody agreed with it, and 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 they were you know they were kind of taken care of. And so. Like I said, we, we really don't have another kind of big landscape, you know, college players getting paid um, until almost, you know, almost 30 years later. Uh, and that's the next story that, that Hayden's going to get into. Uh, so go ahead. Hayden.
0: Yeah, that's right. So our next story is regarding Ed O'Bannon, which he was a, a former UCLA basketball player in the mid 90s. He was a member of the 1995 um, championship team. And he also won NCAA tournament, most outstanding player that year, which is also pretty interesting. So he was, you know, definitely a, a well-known guy and somebody that if we were, if, if we're going by standards nowadays, like he def he's definitely one of those guys that was, you know, a star and, and one of those guys that everybody's looking at in terms of the guys that should get paid nowadays, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. So he was a basketball player in the nineties, mid nineties, but it wasn't until, so I think in 2009 he filed the lawsuit but the the trial didn't happen ag- until 2014. So pretty much 20 years later just about 20 years later after they won that championship he th- there was a lawsuit against the NCAA that was filed by him and the, the trial happened in 2014 like I said and essentially what happened was it, it was it's actually called the Obannon versus NCAA trial and there's a wikipedia page for it if you're if you were wondering if you want to read up on it more but i'm going to cover most of it here so you don't have to do that but but yeah so essentially he filed a lawsuit against the ncaa that pleaded for college athletes to be able to get paid and to be able to get comfort compensation for Essentially, the the money that they made the NCAA, but he's he's pleading for those college athletes to get that money after they graduate. So after graduation and after these athletes aren't in college anymore, and whether they go to the pros or they go to the pros and get hurt and are a bust, or you know they kind of never just they they just kind of are one of those college stars that never really amounts to anything in in the pros, which is what we've seen a lot. Any of those cases, he's arguing for the NCAA to essentially pay the players that brought in a lot of revenue while they were in college, but basically just wait to, to pay them until after college. And again, that was that. And also like, obviously if they were to use their name, image and likeness after they graduate in some way, I guess, you know, in, in commercials or advertisements or something like that, he's arguing for that as well. But I think that the, the more interesting part of, the lawsuit that he filed was it basically sounds like he's saying like yeah I want my money that I made you guys but you can wait until after I graduate to pay me it. Like that's that's kind of what he's saying here. And that's an interesting way to 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 do it because again the NCAA is it their whole thing is like okay well these kids are college athletes who are supposed to be going to school and obviously they're they're going to school to play whatever sport and if you're on scholarship then that's what that's essentially what your college is because your college is paid for it and your tuition is paid for it and so that you can play a sport for that team or for that school. But he's essentially saying that, yes, we are students while we're in college, but once we're older and once we graduate from that college, we still made you guys a lot, a lot of money, so you guys still owe us something. Like We still deserve something from you guys, even though you guys don't let, don't let us get paid while we're in college, we still deserve it afterwards, right? That's what the O'Bannon versus NCAA trial was. And again, this happened in 2014. The trial happened in 2014. The lawsuit was uh, first introduced by him in 2009, I believe. So it took a good five years for it to even amount to a trial, which again, that big of a, of a lawsuit because it, I mean, well, it, it concerned a lot of money because he ended up getting $42 million. So like, there were $42 million uh, awarded in damages. Again, that's, I don't know like exactly who that went to, but there were $42 million awarded in damages, but then there were no laws or rules changed or anything like after that. So that's why the NCAA stayed an organization that didn't pay its players for a long time until now, basically. So that's, that that's where we're at right now. again, it and it's weird. It's, it's it's almost like hypocrisy by the NCAA here because yeah, they paid they had they were forced to pay by law um this huge amount of money, forty-two million dollars. But then they don't change any law or change any rules. They kind of just gloss over it and they're like, Okay, yeah, let's just I guess let's just compensate this dude and maybe some other people and then we'll just not change any rules. And if it happens again, then it happens again. It's it's like, it's, it's probably going to happen again, but they just sat there on their butts and they were like, well, we don't, we won't change anything because we still don't think it's right. Even though we were told by law to compensate them. So again, that's, that's also kind of an instance of like sports meeting politics and law and it's it, it gets really, really, uh, really dicey when you when you put those two things together. And that's I, that's actually like one of the few times that we've that we've seen that type of thing. Um, but I think that O'Bannon was was definitely the first the first one that really took it seriously in terms of speaking out against the NCAA. And, and obviously, because other athletes definitely thought that, like, you know, guys like Ed Dickerson and stuff, they they were getting handed money kind of, you know, under the table, but there there were definitely other guys out there, you know, who, who, who thought what obama was thinking, but he was the first one to really kind of speak out against the NCAA and filed a whole lawsuit against, against them and got a lot of money for it. So that's the second instance of where we see of where we really see, you know, this whole name image and likeness and college athletes getting paid and, and, and kind of a, a word out against the NCAA and and calling them out for what they for taking advantage of, of so many players and what they've done over so many years. Um, and so I'm going to hand it over to Matt here to discuss the third instance that we're going to go over again. These are these are kind of the biggest events in terms of of what we want to get accomplished today um, in this episode. So, Matt, go ahead.
1: Yeah. And just real quick on the Ed O'Bannon thing um, that took place in 2014. And let's not forget the best video game ever made was college for NCAA football 2014. I mean, this is the best game undoubtedly uh, ever, ever, because think about it this way. I have a copy on Xbox 360 that I still play to this day, right? Eight years later. And it's like my favorite game ever if you were to go buy cuz again it came out it was like 60 bucks to buy it right when it when it when it first released if you go try to buy a copy of the game right now it's like 500 bucks yeah because of how popular this game was and amazing and the reason is because the name well, I don't think they included the names, but the, the image and likenesses of the players in the 2014 game, a la like Johnny Manziel is like the star of that game. Denard Robinson is on the cover of that game. They were used in the making of the video game. And so kind of what, what Ed O'Bannon is arguing is like, hey, if, if our if our representations are going to be used in a video game, we should be able to get some of the profits based on, you know, what However many video games you sell, or however much business you do based on the release of that video game, because here's the thing, EA Sports has has contracts with the NFL and the and the NBA uh, and and all these you know these major professional sports leagues, and so the players as a result, because if you play Madden, you're going to use Patrick Mahomes, and his name is going to be on the bottom of there. He's getting paid for that because that's his name, image, and likeness. Because he is one of the best quarterbacks. He's the best, you know, one of the best athletes in the in the world right now, and so he should be paid justly because, you know, his his he he is being used a, a, as as a as a kind of a you know a proxy or a stepping stone for EA Sports to make money because they wouldn't make money if they didn't put out the Madden games, and the Madden games wouldn't be popular if you couldn't use Patrick Mahomes and throw it to Tyreek Hill for ninety nine yards for a touchdown, right? So as a result of this court case. All of the college sports games were essentially nixed, right? They they were they were they were ceased to exist, uh, and and it's actually coming back next year finally because hey, what do we have now? We have name image likeness where you can actually pay the players for this. So um, yeah, follow up to that one. Good there. Uh, then third and last one is that one year later uh, after this lawsuit, so it's summer of 2015, a story surfaced uh, that the University of Northwestern football team wanted to start a union. Now, what do we know? And we're gonna talk about this in a little bit uh, here in a second, but what do we know about a union? It is a group of people who gather together and advocate for their rights, whether that be you know rights to higher pay, a right to you know a, a safe uh, workplace environment. It, it could be anything, right? Um, and, and the purpose of the football team, Northwestern football team forming a union was so that they would get paid. And again, it was met with the same type of criticism that we saw in the 1987 case in which SMU was paying its players to come play football for them. Everybody's like these guys aren't stu- or these guys aren't workers, they're students, they're there to play the game. They're already getting tuition paid for, you know, they don't need to be paid any money and it's so dumb for them to form a union because, you know, they're they're just they're just one cog in the wheel. All this stuff, right? And so it was essentially shut down because no one would actually take them up and and you know and help them form a union and have a representative to, to speak on their behalf and all this stuff. And you think about it, it's like University of Northwestern is is no slack, right? That that's a good school. Like there are very smart people who go there, their football team and basketball teams. Aren't that great. And the reason being is because their academic requirements are so high. Like you have to be smart to go to this school. So if your football team is forming, is, you know, basically going on strike because they want to form a union, it seems like they might be onto something. They might have an argument here. We should probably listen to them, but nobody did. Okay. And so you kind of end up in a situation where. It was a big story for like a couple weeks and everybody was talking about it and everybody was like, you know, what are we, what are we doing here? Why are, you know, why are they doing this? There's no, there's no point. Um, And and everything got shot down and they weren't actually able to kind of go through with what they, with what they wanted to. and, And, you know, now it's so funny because we kind of see this almost as being inevitable, right? There's going to have to be some sort of unionization among collegiate athletics, especially in football, because of how much money is going to be, you know, basically distributed and, and going around, um, you know, with the new r- r- rules and the new laws, especially kind of once the NCAA gets out of everything. Um, and, but again, it wasn't the NCAA who was, you know, saying, yes or no to the union. It was, it was, you know, they, they kind of frowned upon it, but, but they can't do anything because they don't have, you know, they, they, they have power over the athletic programs. They don't have power over the, you know, the students who represent the, the, uh, the athletic programs and play on those teams. So that's why, you know, this kind of was like, Hey, this is a possibility. And again, they all thought this out, the university of Northwestern football team, they thought this out, they, they, they had a plan. And, and it kind of just didn't really, didn't really uh, end up working out. And I think much of that was because of the public opinion, right? It was, it was, you know, who, who is going to represent these football players who are, you know, seem crazy because they want more money on top of the scholarship money that they're already being paid, as well as the fact that they're, they're students first, right? You, you, you should be getting your education. You shouldn't be focusing on football. And thirdly, even if you, you know, even if you are an amazing student and and you're an amazing athlete and all that stuff, you know, you're, you're really at the end of the day, you're just playing a game and we hear the stats all the time, you know, 0.2% of all collegiate athletes make it, you know, make it to the pros. And so realistically, Hey, you know, maybe one out of every, you know, hundred, well, I guess it would be one out of every like, like 200 um, or like 150 or whatever players are going to even have a chance to get to the pros. And what's the, you know, what's the likelihood that that's going to, you know, one person like that is going to come from like a university of Northwestern. Right. So, so that, that's what happened in 2015. And again, this is kind of coming after the name image and likeness uh, case with Ed O'Bannon who, who got paid a lot of money. And as Hayden said, it was it was then kind of followed up with really nothing because the NCAA and and right if you're the NCAA and you and you have to pay out 42 million dollars to this huge court case well, you don't want to lose any more money. So why are you going to go then make a law and be like, okay, we should, we are now determining that we are going to pay collegiate athletes for all the name, image, and likeness that they've been deserving every year since 1987 when this first started. No, you're not going to do that because you got stuff, you got bills to pay, right? You got, you got employees to pay, you got your own stuff going on. You don't want to lose, you know, out on, on, on all this money. And again, and, and we're going to get into this you know, pretty much in the next topic here, the NCAA is, is not, it's a, it's a non, it's a nonprofit business. So it's not a, it's not a, it's not a for-profit business where, you know, they're selling and they're making money and they're, and they're paying, uh, you know, their employees. Now, again, they have employees like people that work for the NCAA, um, but, but, but they don't, they don't have contracts with the universities that say, we have to, you know, pay you a certain amount just to be in our, you you know, athletic organization, you know, kind of under the umbrella of the NCAA. So anyway, long story short, you know, right, that, that was kind of what happened. That's the third kind of example in 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 where, you know, and I think, you know, we wanted to do, there were however many other stories that kind of happened throughout this timeline, but I think that we wanted to kind of hit three different aspects and examples of times when, you know, either collegiate athletes themselves or the colleges were kind of saying, you know, the, the, there might be something that we can kind of do here. We have the example of SMU, where you know there were you know the college was was deliberately allowing their players and recruits to be paid. We have you know the the court case with Ed O'Bannon, which Hayden described perfectly. You kind of have this mix of sports and politics and law, and then you have you know a, a union, right? A, 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 a basically a, a group of players going on strike and, and trying to form a union, and so these are kind of all three different facets of how this phenomenon of paying players can can kind of come into play and and there's so much more to it but I think we kind of just want to go over these three and, and kind of explain too that the timeline is long it is it is 35 years worth of just kind of nothingness or 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 confusion that we're trying to kind of finally get under uh get under our belts here. So so yeah, so those are the three examples kind of you know different different uh different housing techniques and all that. So now Hayden's going to kind of go a little bit deeper and explain we're going to kind of get to the root of the problem, right? So so why what is wrong with the NCAA and why why can't they just say, okay, we're gonna pay all our athletes, right? What is wrong with with them just kind of doing regular business and 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 we're kind of gonna you know go over, hey, scholarship athletes get paid to go to school. Well, why is it that they want to get paid more, right? Because that's what I think a lot of people are thinking is like that's the main thing is hey you, you're already getting paid to play football here. Why do you need to get paid on top of you know getting your getting your athletic scholarship? And that's kind of what we're gonna get into next.
0: All right. Now let's compare because a lot of a lot of people, again, they don't really understand paying college players to play sports because they're not professionals yet and they're still in school. And the NCAA is is really I mean, Matt said it's a nonprofit, but at the end of the day, it is a business. And you, you hear that all the time in pro sports too, guys, especially in free agency, guys signing contracts and and all these really confusing trades and. Options and player contracts and everything like that, like it sports is a business and no matter where you're playing it, it's going to be a business dude in high school, we have players getting paid to to transfer high schools nowadays, it happened with with Matt with Madden eyes high school we you know we would lose players to our rival high school, because they would essentially maybe not pay them, but they would tell them they would promise them something, some kind of benefit for going there. And so it it's when it comes down to it, it's all a bunch of business decisions. And the NCAA is a business, even though it may be a nonprofit or may claim to be a nonprofit business. It's it's still a business and there are still business decisions made. So I'm going to compare it to a regular business here that has, you know, a CEO and managers and employers and employees and they're there there's kind of a, a target business that I'm going for here that I'm comp- that I'm comparing it to and it may be a little bit a little bit I mean it's obviously different the this type of business is different and it's the business I'm talking about is you know retail stores and and McDonald's fast food restaurants and everything like that but the main problem here is that when players or employees and the players obviously are the employees in the situation when they become unhappy with their pay and their treatment, whatever the case may be, they do things like voice out and file lawsuits like we saw from Ed O'Bannon and they form unions like we saw from Northwestern to gain some kind of ground or gain some kind of advantage over the people that are controlling that business, AKA the NCAA me- or CEO and C- well, yeah, the NCAA CEO and you know the conference managers or regional whatever, whoever, you know, I don't even know what their titles are, but it's like there there are people that work for the NCAA that are that are assigned to conferences and probably and regions and things like that. But the thing is that there's not enough of those. And so your power is not distributed well enough. And that's that's essentially the the main problem here that we're gonna discuss today. And you see, with these three cases that we just mentioned before, and that we just went over, and, and you know, when we kind of went over the history of name, image, and likeness, and collegiate athletes getting paid, we see these three cases. This is essentially what what's happening is that players. Well, in in the first case, it's not really players being unhappy. It's kind of the NCAA finding out that NC that SMU was doing this, that they were pay, basically paying their players under the table, but in the two. Next cases, the Edo O'Bannon one and the Northwestern ones, they're both it, it's it's both instances of the employees or the players being unhappy with how they're being treated or being unhappy with not being paid, and they're think doing things like forming unions, like right, like that's that's a forming you know a labor union is it was, is a term that was created to describe something that happens when employees are are unhappy in the workplace, right, and this term was applied to a college football team that was unhappy with how they were being treated by the organization that they work for or that they feel like they're working for. And, you know, that's obviously the NCAA in this, in this, in this case. And so that's why I wanted to compare it to a regular business because it really like all this terminology that we're using Northwestern forming a union and law, you know, lawsuits being filed against a, a, a big corporation that's that sounds a lot like what you would the terms that you would use when describing things in the workplace and things kind of in your everyday everyday business life. So think about it this way if if that was a little bit confusing just think about it this way. Think of basically any retail store or fast food restaurant, you know, you have you have a McDonald's CEO, but then you also have thousands of store managers, managers that run Particular, a particular store in a particular location in where wherever across the globe, honestly, because you know McDonald's is a global is a global enterprise now. But yeah, you have store managers that run their own stores and have most of the power in that particular area or store. The NCAA is completely different. They are essentially trying to govern 450,000 athletes with just one CEO who was Mike Emmert or Mark Emmert, and he's stepping down next year. And then you've probably got a couple conference managers along the road and you've got a couple, you know, maybe regional managers or, or whatever the case may be. But other than that, it's, it's, it's literally just the schools. And I guess like the athletic directors at each school and everything like that, you have those, those guys, but they don't have any say, like they have no say whatsoever in, what the NCAA does, they really all their job is is to like plan events, you know, boosters, everything like that. That's the the athletic director at each school. That's that's their job. But like, essentially, what we're trying to say here is the NCAA it it's not it's super centralized. They need to decentralize, and that's that's the first problem that we run into. That's the problem that I see. And and again, we kind of we did our research first, and then we came up with this problem. And that's the biggest problem that I see here with, and that's kind of the common theme among all of these three instances in the past, where we, where we saw it first pop up is that the NCAA is way too centralized and they don't, they don't have enough distribution of power. And it's, it's, it, it would be hard to distribute the power to schools and everything like that. Because again, that's not because then you're giving schools a lot of power and you're, and you're giving a university, power over something that they weren't even really founded to begin like founded for to begin with right And you know a university is like you go there they were originally made so that you could go and study and get an ed- education and college sports kind of became a you know a huge money maker that's for sure and it kind of became a um I guess a result of universe kids going to university but right that's the whole idea here is that the NCAA is just super centralized and There's very few people with too much power. And so I'm going to, I'm going to let Matt dive in here as well, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave you off with this. And this is, this is just going to, again, we're not going to talk too in depth about specific things that are happening right now. It's just kind of going over the, the general problem um, that we've, that we've gotten so far. And so an instance of, or that, that it's a telltale sign that the NCAA has way too much power in one place and Way too much power with very few people is. I was I was reading a New York Times article that was posted. I, I think it was like beginning of July this year, and so it was it was pretty recent. And so the so there's a guy named George. I don't even know how to na- say his name. Kle Klevkov. Kliovkov. and he's the new uh, Pac-12 commissioner. So that's one example of a guy that you know. When I say conference managers or whatever, like location based conference managers. He's one of those guys and he's, you know, he's the new PAC 12 commissioner. And if you didn't know this, actually, the PAC 12 is nicknamed the conference of champions because they have the most college and NCW basically the most college sports championships out of any conference. So like you may be thinking, okay, SEC probably has the most because they're big time football, but no, the PAC 12 is, is a uh, very diverse. And that, that of course that includes, you know, like soccer and lacrosse and all that good stuff, but they have, they're, they're the conference of champions. They've won the most championships out of any conference. So I guess there was like a um, partnership among the PAC 12 and the big 10 and the, and the ACC. And that was, I guess that was like suggested somewhere, but that doesn't really matter. Essentially in the article, it says that, that partnership didn't need a contract, but would thrive on an agreement among three gentlemen. It's like, dude, each conference in college sports hosts probably any, you know, at least 10 schools. Let's just say that. And so, but the bigger conferences like the PAC 12 and the, um, you know, the ACC and the big 10, like they're all, those numbers are all crazy now. So let's just say 35 to 40 teams, I mean, 35 to 40 schools in those three conferences combined. Right. And you're talking three gentlemen are making a decision for 35 schools. Right. That That's sports. just right. Exactly. Yeah. 35. Right. And there's, there's so many more sports than just, than just football or basketball or, or baseball or whatever you want to talk. So that just is, is an instance of like, come on, dude, like you're, th- this is, this is a, this is blatantly written out in an article and it was it's a quote from a guy from this guy uh Cleo, Cleavkov, and we need to pay attention to this because three gentlemen are making one huge decision for 35 to 40 schools and that's wrong that's not that's very that's the definition of too of too much power in one place so I'm going to leave it off with that Matt go ahead
1: so I think Haydens exactly right I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into the kind of what the NCA does, how they distribute their funds, how they make their money, all that type of stuff, and then kind of where we're at in terms of why college athletes need to get paid. Because that's, I think, now we've kind of given the backstory, we got a little bit of a problem, we got a little bit of a solution, why are we paying the collegiate athletes? And, and this is a this is kind of really at the at the heart of all of this. And that's why we kind of want to leave that as, as, as kind of the last point for this first episode, because this is what we'll get into obviously going forward. Whenever you have a, a, a sporting event, you're going to advertise it. And why do you advertise it? Well, you want people to come to see the sporting event, right? You want people to come to watch the sporting event in person. And you also want people to watch the sporting event on TV? And who makes the money when people come to watch the sporting event in person or on TV? Well, in this case, it's both the NCAA as well as the universities, okay? Because they have TV deals. They have advertising revenue. They have ticket sales, okay? They have all this stuff. They have $10 pizzas at the concession stand, all right? So there's a lot that goes into this, And as an example, because, you know, again, this is, this is, it's, it's high level. It's, it's confusing when, when I'm explaining it, but once you understand it, it, it's extremely simple. Let's put it this way. March Madness is everybody's favorite time of the year. It's the best time of the year. It's my favorite two days out of the year. And everybody watches on TV. Everybody fills out a bracket. Everybody visits the website. Everybody watches these games on TV. Okay. The NCAA makes 2 billion dollars each year on March Madness because they have the copyrights to March Madness and if you notice this is a this is a fun fact here watch ESPN next year during watch during March Madness they can't say March Madness because the NCAA and CBS have that copyrighted so that whenever you're in March Madness time or whatever you you'll just hear ESPN has to say the tournament or the you know Whatever I guess I don't even know what else they use because I'm just so used to saying March Madness. And so March Madness makes the NCAA $2 billion. Okay. Now, a lot of that, I mean, first of all, that's a lot of money, right? Okay, fine. But the NCAA, as a result, they have to pay for the courts, the locations. Because again, these in their play, the NCAA tournament is played in locations all over the country. Okay. At different schools, universities, whatever the NCAA has to pay to use those courts. They have to pay to paint the courts, you know, with the March madness logos and stuff like that. They have to pay for the equipment rooms, the weight rooms, the hotel rooms, the, the state, the parents hotel, room. all that stuff is already paid for. Okay. By the NCAA, because they are putting on the event. So obviously all of the, you know, the ticket sales and the, you know, and, and the, crazy, whatever else, however else they make their money, TV deal, because the TV deals is is huge. And when you have it, you know, spanned across four different networks or whatever, they're making all that money as revenue. Okay. But they're spending a lot because they are putting on the event Um, simply, you know, as as if you're, if you're going to throw a birthday party for someone, you're putting on an event. So you're going to spend a lot of money. Now you usually don't get money in return for that, but you know, it's what it is. Um, This is again, this is a business deal. That's what Hayden was saying. It's sports is a business. So this is part of it. All right. Now, because the NCAA is a nonprofit organization, they, and, and again, I'm not going to look into their accounting sheets. And so I don't know how much money they're actually like, they're not, obviously they're not like quote unquote profiting, but they're also not, I think, spending all of the $2 billion to put on the event that they're making as revenue based on the TV deals and all that stuff. So, there, so there's some money left over, right? And they obviously, you have to pay your employees. I get that. So, but here's the thing. Okay. Let's imagine in March Madness, if all 64 teams that make it into the tournament, what if the players just didn't play? There'd be no March Madness. There'd be no NCAA tournament. We saw this during the COVID year, but obviously that was a global pandemic that that made there be no March Madness. If the players decided to not play in March Madness, there would be no March Madness. The NCAA would pay for the courts. They would pay for the locations. They would pay for the TV deal. They would pay for the little logo on the CBS thing when you're watching it. But if the players didn't play, there would be no March Madness, and the NCAA would not make two billion dollars from the TV deal and, and and the you know and the ticket sales and all that. They would make nothing. Okay, so that's what the argument is, and and so hopefully you're kind of starting to see the players are the reason that the schools, the universities, and the NCAA, the governing body of these universities when it comes to athletics, the players are the reason that these entities are making so much money. Okay. Because they're the ones who are, who are putting on the entertainment. They are the product. They are the reason that people go to watch these games or the reason that people turn on their TVs to watch these games. Okay. So if they don't play, then nobody makes money. And so then you're saying, okay, well, if they do play, then everybody makes money. Well, so who, who's the variable here? It's the players. It's the players. And that's why that is the argument for why the players need to be paid, or at least should be fairly compensated, however you want to, you know, judge that in your own mind. So yes, they are already being paid by the university to, to have their athletic scholarship. That's fine, okay? But that is an athletic scholarship that the school has allotted based on, you know, whatever their money, tuition, whatever is. Yes. They're paying for that player to come to the university to play the sport. Okay. But if that individual player generates more money than what their scholarship is worth, which essentially if you divide it up, it it is because we're going to get into the money probably in the next episode. I think that's kind of going to be the next, the next part of this that we, that we tackle. These players are making more money than they're being paid even to go to school. Okay. And also scholarships have been around forever okay so this old that's always been an allotment for whatever is happening this is a separate issue this is a tv deal this is people who are coming to the game to watch the players put on an entertainment venue thing right the product is the players they're watching the game because of the players they're they're happy or they're sad based on the result of the game because of the players so why are we not paying the players for the money the revenue and the profits that they generate Okay. So that's the issue here. And that's why, and that's the main argument. And so, you know, you can go home and say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, that's fine. You don't have to agree with it. But at the end of the day, if you go to your job tomorrow, or, you know, if you're in school, if you have a summer job or something, if you go there and that business makes money because of the work that you're doing, and then they just don't pay you, well, you're working for free. And you don't want to work for free because then what's the point of doing the work? And you're going to quit. You're not going to want to do the work because you're not being fairly compensated for the work that you're doing, for the money that you're making that business. All right. So now let's think about the other way. If you go to work and you get paid a lot of money to do something that you can do or that you're good at or whatever it may be by your job, you're going to want to keep doing it because you have to live and you have to pay rent and you have to buy food to live. Right. But that job, that workplace, that business is fairly compensating you for the work that you do because they are making money based on the work that you do. So again, it's a little, it's a little bit of a stretch when you think about it in terms of like, well, the football team isn't doing work. Like they're not like doing a job. Well, first of all, they're working more hours than most of us are. In a given week to begin with, because A, they're spending basically 40 hours with the, you know, doing football stuff each week. On top of that, they have to go to class every, you know, every day and they have to do homework and they have to take tests and they have to take finals and they have to pass their classes in order to continue to be a student athlete to begin with. So they are doing a job. Okay. They're doing, you know, an amount of work that is similar to what all of us are being paid to do for a job. And let's think about the professional sports. Hey, throwing a football. Patrick Mahomes is making 500 million dollars to throw a football. Well cool. He's really good at it and he deserves to be paid because he's so good at it. Now, the amount that he's, you know, the amount that he's getting paid sure we can argue that that's probably a little bit too much, but he is doing a job and he's getting paid for that. Okay? If you're playing football in college, that's the same thing. You're still playing football, you're still making money for the university, you're still making money for the NCAA and you're just not getting paid for it. So, that's the big argument here. And that's the reason that the college athletes kind of, you know, really should be fairly compensated. It's, it's, it's up to the lawmakers and whoever else to determine how much you're going to pay these players, right. Or, or, or what's fair, you know, to pay a soccer player versus, you know, a football player versus a, you know, a a swimming and diving uh, member (laughs) team player. Um, But regardless they are making the school and the NCAA money and and they're competing in a sport but but that's that that sport is inherently generating money for someone else and they are not being compensated for it and so that's the argument here and and I think that you know hopefully I did kind of a good job of, of, of making things a little bit simple and kind of explaining like they're out here doing work for a university that is not is not paying them back for the money that they are making off them. And this is especially true with football and basketball. Obviously, we know those are the two money-making sports. Those are the sports that generate the most revenue. In most cases, actually, for most colleges, football and basketball generate the most revenue. And that actually makes up for, like, the sports, like, I mean, you know, right. Soccer is actually a pretty big sport, but, like, you know, your niche sports, like sailing and golf and that type of stuff, like,
0: yeah. Like really?
1: the yeah. schools are actually paying kind of like almost losing on those deals. And so they're kind of like almost overcompensating for like, hey, we need to use some of the football you know, revenue to pay for these other sports. So like you can get in kind of kind of get in the weeds with the fairness and stuff of like this. But that's that's the general idea. Right. Is the fact that like they are they are producing a product. They are the product. They are they are the entertainment value. And again, this is not the athletes fault. Right. This is America. Where we just like to sit on our butts and watch college football on Saturdays. And that's what we're going to do. And therefore, the TV deals are big. And therefore, the, you know, when you see Penn State in their whiteout game at home against Auburn in October in the middle of October. That's why, because people enjoy going to the game and they want to see their team win. And the players are the team, and they are you know competing to win. And so we see the players do it, and they're the entertainment value, and they that's they're all at the center of this. That that is what this is. So so that's that that's really it, and, and that's why, like when it really comes down to it, it's it's almost as such, and again, I don't I don't like to use super dire terms. I've heard people say, and I think this is the way that I'm going to explain it, I don't necessarily, you know, I'm going to kind of explain it afterwards, but the players are being exploited for the work that they are doing, and the money that they are making, but not making that up on the back end. Now again, exploited is a, that's a a heavy term, okay, because there's a lot of ways that people can be exploited, and so I don't want to... You know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, kind of, kind of gloss over any of that. But I think that that's the, the you, get, you get the idea, right? They're they're being used, they're being, you know, they're they're producing a product, and and they are the entertainment value for something that is making a, a boatload of money. And we're going to get into that in the next episode, uh, but but not making anything up on the back end. And so that's kind of the argument for why the the players need to be paid. Now, also something we'll get to into the ne- in the next episode. And this is kind of our going to be, you know, more or less a transition does the ncaa pay the players do the schools pay the players do the conferences pay the players yeah do the boosters pay the players there's a lot of people who are kind of in this mix for how we're going to kind of figure this out and again just news flash it hasn't been figured out yet but and that's kind of going to be part of me and hayden we're going to do you know predictions and you know what we think is going to happen or what we think should happen or whatever but that's all still to come and, and, and so we'll kind of figure that out when we get to it. But that's the overall idea is like there are people making a lot of money off of the athletes doing things that they are not getting paid to do.
0: Yeah, that's right. And Matt, Matt did a great job of explaining all of that. And that, again, that's what he did was very hard to do, because if you've, ever, if you've ever gotten into a conversation with somebody that doesn't doesn't think that the players should be paid for what they do, it's really hard to just spit out a bunch of facts for them that proves your point that, okay, they should be paid. Right. But Matt just did that. He, he, he made a lot of points that were very valid and debunked a lot of the things that people say when they are in favor of players, not being paid in college. Right. So that's um yeah, that, that was really good, really good stuff right there. Now that we're probably going to end the episode off here. We, I think we are at an hour right now. Again, I said that we were going to give, you know, some diagnoses. I think that it was pretty clear with my diagnosis was, is that we should decentralize power. But again, I have no, I'm not a sports log. Honestly, we should probably get Alex Baudrill on here again to talk about that because that would be cool. He, I know that he actually tweeted us or he DM'd us on Twitter, whatever you call it, messaged us on Twitter. And he was like, Hey, I'd love to come on for the start of the NCAA doomsday series. He was responding to a tweet. Um, And so, yeah, we actually will probably have him on at some point. I, Honestly, for the, for the next episode, we could have him on for that one, too, because that's that's also something that he might know a lot about in terms of the money and where it's going and where it's coming from and all that jazz. But, yeah, Matt and I are going to do a lot of research regarding literally just the basics of where the money is in this whole business. And, again, we're going to make predictions next, next episode on where we on, – on things that haven't been figured out yet that we think may happen or – what may come out of 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 the problems and issues that that still have yet to be fixed and still have yet to be figured out so yeah today's episode was really fun though i i I really enjoyed it i honestly enjoyed it more than i thought i would again this is kind of a daunting thing to do a a pretty daunting task to kind of take on this multi-episode series where we just talk about essentially one thing but many, many different parts of it. And so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a process, but I'm, I'm really excited for the next couple of weeks to dive even deeper into it. And, you know, there's going to be things that I didn't even know I would be ever be talking about that I'm going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks on this podcast, because that's what we're here to do. So yeah, expect another episode from us, another doomsday episode, from us next week around this time probably tuesday i know today's wednesday but we just couldn't get to it yesterday so yeah around this usual tuesday time tuesday wednesday time um expect another doomsday episode and yeah we're happy to happy to bring it to you guys so with that being said thank you guys for listening today and we'll catch you guys next week